You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 178 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we talk with dressage trainer and life coach Nancy Later Lavoy. Critter of the show is the Flying Squirrel. And in Critter Nutrition, we focus on neuromuscular support for horses. Join us. I'm Tigger. And I'm Patty. And this is Coach Jen. Thanks for joining us here on Healthy Critters Radio. This is the part of the show when we get started. We all catch up on what each of us has been up to since well, at last we chatted. And since no one, there are three people in the room, none of us came prepared this evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness I'm not alone. <laughs> the The Kentucky Derby is coming up shortly as we... Mm record this episode. It will be coming up shortly. So I'm going to ask Tigger and Patty. Tigger, do you A, follow it ahead of time, B, watch it on TV, and C, have a party? Any of the above? Yes. <laughs> a, a and B. Oh, so you so you follow a little bit ahead of time and see who's going to be running and all those sorts of things? Yes. Yeah? Yes. And then you do you tune into the 18 and, hours oh, of pre-race absolutely. coverage? Yeah. Uh, no. no, I've learned um, to tune in uh, when they uh, leave the paddock and go out onto the track. So you just watch the big event. You don't watch the hours and hours and hours no. of pre-show. No. no. All righty. And think about this because I'm going to ask you in a moment who your pick is. I don't have one yet. Spoiler, you were supposed to wait. Well, now you can look it up online really quick. Go Google that. Okay, Patty Perucci, do you watch yeah. ahead? Of, do, you, do you prepare ahead of time? Do you watch the event? Do you have a party? Um, well, I, I was born in Kentucky, so we always, like, the Kentucky Derby was always such a big thing. Um, so the answer to that is yes and no. So we used <laughs> to always have, always watch it. Um, we used to... I used to follow everything and I used to always have a party. Um, I have not watched it in years. I mean, I, it just depends. Um, I feel like for some reason, Tigger, one of the shows that we used to do, it must've been Morven Park or something. It was always going over Morven Park weekend or something. And so yes. I feel like I would watch yes, it. Yes, always. Yeah, at the horse show. And so that's when I was really kind of into it because we were all, we'd all run back to the hotel and try to watch it. Um, I have no idea who is running this. I know nothing this year. The only reason um, I know it's this weekend is because I've been invited to a Kentucky Derby party. <gasps> Yay! Are you gonna Are you gonna wear ah. a Kentucky Derby fancy hat? Unfortunately, I will be teaching a clinic, so I will be coming completely exhausted and tired. So I'm going to come dressed like um, a dressage trainer. <laughs> so <laughs> I can go. wear my helmet. I could wear my helmet. There you go. You wear your helmet. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, where my years ago we used to oh I used to have a big deal and I'd make um I'd have a, a bobbing for apples for the dogs. It would be bobbing for biscuits though, and we would have like the dogs race to the thing. We just we just used to have so much fun with oh, doing that. Fun. Oh, it was so cute. It was so cute. Yeah, we used to really enjoy that. How about you, Jennifer? Yeah. How about you? It varies a great deal from year to year. Some years I I follow and I I, and I read who's qualifying and who's not and things like that. Um, This year didn't at all. As a matter of fact, this very minute is the first time I've looked at the entries. Uh, I I do watch it every year. I watch the 18 hours of pre-show. Um, cause I just, cause I don't know anything about it. So if I watch the race, I don't know anything. So I have to watch the pre-show. So I usually send Glenn off on some retail therapy somewhere so that I can have the house to myself and I get out the big bowl of popcorn and all of the adult beverages. And I have a party all by myself for the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Glenn doesn't like to watch it. He watches the race. He he'll get back just in time to watch maybe a half an hour before, and then the race itself. But he doesn't okay. care to watch the eighteen hours of backstories and yeah, all the. He doesn't need to watch all that. He doesn't care. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's for me that's alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can tell you, I live with um, Peter, a former. Uh, racehorse owner and he follows the sheets the yeah. racehorse sheets yeah he's track of all the, everybody's statistics yeah yeah and that's how he does his wagers See, it's you know me i look at the horse <laughs> so i like to look at them in the paddock and then when they're coming out and um and then i just go by the ones i like and and the name you have to like the name <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, a really a really good strat a really good strategy if you want put, want to put two dollars on a horse, any horse that I pick, do not. Because okay, that's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> oh. okay. Yeah, I I can't bet on a horse. It, it just it's just I end up betting on the one I want to win, not the one that should win. That's just I can't do it. Yeah, I'm terrible. Okay, so the next question is, Tigger, do you watch the Preakness? Yes. You watch the Preakness. Okay, yeah. Patty, do you watch the Preakness? It, if, if I watch the the Derby, I'll pretend to watch the Preakness. But, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, now the obvious question is, Pat, Tigger, if two different horses won the Derby and the Preakness, do you bother watching the Belmont? Yes. <laughs> Do you really? Uh-huh. You're dedicated. Good for you. How about you, Patty? Probably not. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. I like I mean, the Belmont because it's so long. Yes. I, I yes. You know, each race has its own, not even mystique, but challenges. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yes. The, the Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby is really a traffic challenge. Yes. If you need to be a city driver to be able to yes. to yes. navigate the Kentucky Derby, you're right. Yes, and then the, then the, yeah. the, pre, yeah. the Preakness is who's the soundest mm-hmm. after the Kentucky Derby, and fastest in a short distance. Yeah, and then the the Belmont is who can breathe the longest is yeah. endurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find myself 
when the Breeders' Cup comes around, I only watch the cut. They have two classic races that are really long. They're the only two I watch. The rest of them I don't fuss with because I love watching, again, the longer races. There's so much more strategy and mm-hmm. you know, it's a surprise at the end sort of thing going on. Cool. Well, there we go. That's That's our Derby Talk. For the year. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Whether whether you bet or have a party or both, have fun. Um, and now I think it's time for us to move on to our next topic here on Healthy Critters Radio, which is... Hedwig, the world's only podcasting Pomeranian. Hello. How are you? Thriving. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, that's good to hear. Hopefully you're you're having a good spring. I have a question for you. Steve? Yes. With the Kentucky Derby coming up, you know how everybody likes to dress up. What do you think about all the women and their hats? Well, I mean, the thing is not everyone can have perfect hair like me, nor beautiful ears. And if you don't have the perfect hair and the beautiful ears, I can see a hat as an important accoutrement, an addition to your look. And I also like a hat to be big and have flowers on, so that it Mm. really stands out and everyone admires you. Okay. So would wow, you, would you, I did not see that one coming. Like my I ear fronds. Everyone loves my ear fronds, and you cannot have an ear frond if you're a human because you don't get those. So a hat with some trailing ivy or something, very beautiful, or a cloche that dips over one eye, beguiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your servant has got to get you a hat. And then no, you, no. And, Take a picture of it in it. No, she needs to get herself a hat. I'm perfect the way I am. I see. I was going to say, you really weren't listening, Tigger. (laughs) I'm stunning. She is an abomination. Oh, okay. An ongoing fashion disaster. (laughs) If you can imagine where Vogue went to die, that would be her. Well, but she has to have some decent taste because she picked you. Yeah. Well, I mean, she can recognize greatness. Well, that's good. That that's a good thing. So, well, she's that's capable. Of- well, maybe you can. Um, maybe you can watch the Kentucky Derby and see some of the hats and suggest one for your servant. Yes, a good plan. Good idea. Well done. Okay, good. Well, I I am anxious to see what how that turns out. <laughs> mm, I'm sure she'll take my advice. She always does. Oh yes, <laughs> I know that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Hetty. Bye bye. Au revoir. I am very excited to um, have with us today Nancy Later Lavoy, who is a USDF bronze, silver, and gold medalist. She's a dressage coach. She's a dressage trainer. She's also a certified life and mindfulness coach. And welcome, Nancy. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really <laughs> excited to be here with you. And you are totally one of my mentors. So 
I can't oh, believe that I have this, this uh, awesome opportunity. Thank you. My, my first question, because you and I actually met many, many, many years ago, we won't say how long, um, at Prince George's Equestrian Center competing. Um, what drew you? I mean, you've been in horses all your life. Um, what drew you to changing your horse's diet? That I know that was sort of a, I won't say pivotal, but an important uh, junction in your horsemanship. A hundred percent. The the sad thing is that I think that we all fed our horses in a certain way that that did work for us for yeah. years, uh, and where I didn't have a lot of um you know stomach issues um things that were um you know where we were missing um vitamins and minerals having deficiency problems we started having ulcers and uh i have i what i felt is an awesome program for my horses with the forage and the feed ratios and their, um, you know, turnout program and the reliability about how they get fed and the, the, you know, how our work program is, how we care for the horses on the road. I, I didn't understand why we were starting to have problems. And then one of my own personal horse uh, started having strange, uh, energy problems, stomach problems, different, uh, we did every kind of test known to horses for Cushing's metabolic things. And I, we, everything would come back really normal, but he wasn't normal. I would take him out to the show. He would tank after the show. He was having stomach discomfort. And uh, it went on for way, way, way too long. Uh, I'm sorry to say. And then the work ended up really being the biggest part of his life. Like if I could really keep him working hard, that was keeping him the most comfortable. And if anything happened where he had to have, you know, a little bit lighter days, uh, he would be the most uncomfortable. Hmm. And I um, and I know that during that time, you and I talked and you were trying to help me with, uh, you know, supplements for him and organizing his feed program properly. And we uh, I ended up having the blacksmith made a mistake with his feet and he needed to be laid up, you know, a little bit longer, unfortunately. And I had a very bad laminitic episode with him. And I just did not understand. We were doing all the stuff as far as low starch and trying to get uh, his, you know, what he was eating correct, as they would say, for a metabolic horse, even though he really wasn't showing it on his blood tests. And this was very disturbing for me. And so I started to research it more. And so for anybody that doesn't know, now I feed um, 
as much as I can organic. Uh, but my primary thing that I'm trying to do is eliminate uh, glyphosate from my horse's diets, which is not very easy right now. Uh, I did a lot of research about glyphosate. I test everything myself. I am uh, very, very grateful to Tigger and to Biostar because they do have amazing products that are well sourced and so clean. And she helps to educate me even more about it. But what I really found out is that uh, labeling is so important that the products that are, you know, our feeds are, are oftentimes um uh, mislabeled or uh yeah. kind of leading us mm -hmm. in the wrong in the wrong direction the the grains that are in them are byproducts of the energy industry and uh so it did take me a while to construct a diet for the horses that really is uh, as much as i can uh, glyphosate free and the glyphosate is I think what is changing we didn't used to see laminitis in these warm bloods we did not have such a uh, mineral deficient uh, grains and we did not have these problems with vitamin E deficiency yep. and so on so and um, the more I find out about it the the the, the worse it is but I, I feel that the benefits for my horses, um, and I have to do it with my hay too. You know, a lot of these yep. um, alfalfa is, is unfortunately because it became so popular, they're figuring out how to do that in a, in a faster, easier way. Uh, but my horses are really having so many positive changes the deficiencies the mineral imbalances the the lack of ulcers and stomach discomfort um i have not the the overgrowth of the bad bacteria like we were having and then we mm -hmm. were having to treat them the nervousness that was coming from places that i did not understand um immune problems arthritis inflammation all of these things are, uh, you know, just I, I can have a barn full of contented and comfortable horses, even that, you know, their muscles and the way their fascia is and everything uh, is just uh, changing. And I had a super interesting um, thing over this, the winter with one horse that wasn't on our diet. And it did not matter how much those vets threw the pharmaceuticals at him. <laughs> They could not get him comfortable. And as soon as we got that diet changed over, um, it, 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 it was in three, four days. Even, the, even his, his uh, mental state. Changed. Wow. Yeah, it, I mean, just literally, even though you have to change things over, they say, slowly, um, yeah. just eliminating a portion of the bad food and starting yes. him on the, the organic feed and then getting him on some of your supplements. It just, he, it was, it was literally days. 
everything changed for him. Wow. Now that you've, you've changed your feed program, how does it coincide with your coaching? Because you, you know, you work with a lot of adult amateurs and probably some juniors. Um, and sometimes they're a little resistant to change. yeah well it you know healthy mind healthy body right and so my my underlying belief is that the horses are always trying to figure out what we want them to do and that that is just the ground level belief that i walk out to the ring with every day so when the horse is experiencing um, some kind of nervousness or uh, resistance, I'm always looking for that. You know, you, why? Why doesn't he want to do it? And I think that um, w- for me, with my my kids, I I really ha- try to teach them a little bit about hydration, about eating healthy. And bringing themselves to their lessons in the best state that they can so that they can absorb the information and they can be physical during their lessons. But if we're bringing horses that are not able to do the job, then the kids, if, no matter how they bring themselves, the, the kids are not going to be able to get what they need out of their horses. Horses need to be willing. They need to be happy to do the job. They need to be trying. And so I personally, I think it, it really all goes together and starting to, uh, working all the stuff that I did learning about being a mindset coach and being a performance coach. And it, it, you know, that just brought me into more clarity about how important it is to show up as your best self and our horses, we we are the ones that have to give them that opportunity that they, they can't go out and pick and forage and decide what they get to eat. So we need to do that for them. How with your, your clients, when you were ma- making this, this change, um, how did they react to it? Uh, well, you know, so, uh, I'm not, most of the horses, I get, I get to choose what's going on. And so I don't have a lot of that input. Okay. Other people are resistant. So then they, you know, they do their own thing. And uh, I just try to make suggestions and they can, you know, utilize that information or not. That's up to them, mm-hmm. uh, of course. And then the one that we ended up over the winter that was just such an eye opener for me uh, was you know, we didn't want we didn't want to change too many things at one time. Right. And he came um, in a distressed state. And so those kind of things, we eliminated a lot of things. We treated some things. We worked with him. We did, you know, a lot of um work to get him relaxed in a training way. And, you know, I talked about the subject, but of course, everybody's like, you know, that's really hard. I don't know if I can get it. I don't know if my barn at home can get it. This isn't, I'm not sure that's going to work for me. 
And so I did a little bit background work trying to find the products that I thought were going to work prior to, to making the changes. So the horse wouldn't have to change. And then mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to know he was going to be successful on that way prior to her going home. So I did a little background work, tried to make sure what she could get. Of course, we're here in Wellington. We're so lucky. We can get anything we want. Um, so I had some choices down here that she didn't have up there, but we were able yeah. to put together a really nice situation. Um, and, and I think that uh, my own horse pushed me. He, this guy now who had you know almost died is working. His blood is testing 100% normal. He wow. it has no allergies anymore. He was intensely allergic. I had just so many things wrong. And you know, unfortunately, competition is probably not going to be um, at a high level in his, in his future anymore, but he's living an awesome life right now. And so he was for me, okay, I'm sold. But this one over the winter was a young horse mm-hmm. and um, looked beautiful from the outside. Yes, you he would did. not say, right? You saw. Yep. You would not say this horse is deficient in anything. Nope. You would not. So for me, that was again something bringing me clarity about this path. It was just like, look, you can take a horse that looks beautiful. The muscles look beautiful. And his blood tests deficient in certain areas, but in general, you're not um, gonna gonna say that's diet necessarily. Right. But when I changed the diet, his whole life changed. His demeanor, his willingness, his muscles, the the softness of his muscles, everything changed. His eyes, his acceptance of the tack, everything. It's, it it I, I never get tired of hearing these stories. It it just it reminds me of the profoundness of food. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just eminently profound for us I, as well as for horses and dogs and yes. All other please animals. let's not forget that part. It's <laughs> <laughs> so it's so true. And the thing that I um I think that. I have learned because I also have some nice, some awesome contacts in England that, you know, and one thing that I found that we're trained here in America that we need to keep the horses on exactly the same diet all the time. They need to get the exact same food day after day. And, uh, we need to give them, you know, our bodies have the ability to make vitamins and minerals, to take stuff and make proteins out of them. What these, these tainted foods take that away from us. And then I also realized that horses, if they're out and they have their own ideas, will nibble a little bit of this one day and a little yep. bit of that. What they need and yep. then their their microbiome is so diverse exactly. that they Bingo. can digest it. And yep. so when we have a horse that you give them a little bit of this and all of a sudden their gut is blowing up, 
their microbiome is so unhealthy. It's not that you shouldn't be giving them different stuff. It's that we need to be. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, it's, it's awesome because it's, it's just working for me so great. And I, I love being able to help other people, you know, with this and, and negotiate it with competition horses and people that, that I'm meeting that I can help with it because of course it's easy if you're in the exact right location and, uh, you know, you can do this and that, but we travel back and forth. I I'm out at the horse shows and I definitely have found, you know, the ability to find the products that I need to keep my horse and not go broke. Um, (laughs) to really keep, keep my horses, um, the way that they need to be kept and so that they're not on all these pharmaceuticals all the time. Right. I, I am fascinated. Um, switching gears here a little bit. I'm fascinated by your role as a, as a life coach. And I, I think that's a, a, just a tremendous gift. Um, and I, I know because I'm at the show's, and I see and I remember my own nerves and my own self-sabotage as a rider and a competitor. So what are your tips for riders' nerves in the show ring? Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because I, ha- since a very young, really had the interest to connect uh, with the horses and that interest, I didn't understand that not everybody has it. I, you know, I really love connecting and ha- and that idea that the horse can actually positively anticipate what I want and can, and can be comfortable and happy being in the show ring. Uh, that's my goal it, it is that my horse is really showing off together with me and we feel like we're a team. And so in the middle of my life, I went through a period of time where (laughs) I was, you know, being trained and starting to be serious. And I lost that a little bit. And so I, I feel now that I work to get that part back. Like for me, the connection with the horse is the most important part. Mm-hmm. And that has created more success again in my riding. The first thing I think that makes people nervous is that feeling that you're not prepared. So when you go to a show and you allow your mind to take you to those places of the that you can't do it or you these yeah. self-sabotaging places that that you talk about um that that you feel unprepared and most often people are prepared for what they planned on doing so i have a little bit of a, a process that i do and then i i just go back to that in my mind as i get closer to the show so a couple of weeks before i get to the show and I do this with my clients too. I go through the test that I entered 
and I don't warm up very long for it. I'll, I'll loosen up my horse. Doesn't matter what level it is. I'll loosen up my horse and I'll go through the test from start to finish. And now one thing that's happened that's really important is I didn't really warm up very long and I went through the test. So now I know that there's certain aspects of that test that I don't need to warm up for, you know, I don't need to do in a warm up because they actually worked. So that's like, a that's so easy. Other parts of the test probably didn't work out perfectly. So that I'm going to need to now in the next two weeks from now until the show, I'm going to work a little bit on those aspects. What's missing? How can I improve that? And I'm also going to remember when I get to the show, how did I improve it? And what can I do in my warm up to make that go well? And this is two weeks out. So now in my two weeks toward the show, I don't want to, I'm not training anything anymore. I know, I know how to do the test. And so what am I doing? I'm keeping my horse happy. I'm keeping it fit. I'm keeping it loose. I'm testing a couple things here and there, but I am absolutely not drilling, not stressing, not making my horse sore because I make it repeat things over and over again. And this is very, very much a fundamental part of my training system. And I keep going back when my mind says, Nancy, we need to repeat those changes again. We need to, I don't know if I can do that line with those pirouettes. I just keep reminding, hey, you went out, you walked and trot and cantered around for 10 minutes. You went down the center line and you did the whole thing. What are you worried about? It works. And of course, there's going to be a couple things that I want to make better, but I know it works. And if it doesn't work, I'm probably like in a big way, I'm probably not going to that show. You have to make that decision, right? You're not ready. Right. So preparation is the key that, that understanding I trained in a way that made me prepared for this show. When I sent in the entries, I knew I could do the test two weeks before the show. I went through the test and prepare. I am prepared. And you just keep working with your mindset about that. I can do it. And if you really can't do it, either drop down a level or go to the horse show in school or talk to your trainer or do whatever you need to do, but not, you, you don't want to lose that trust and relationship in your horse by starting to force things that aren't, you know, something isn't quite working if it doesn't work. Yeah. So then the other things are uh, what other people think, right? Yeah. So if yeah. you're worried at a show, then something in your mind is not with your horse and it's not with that connection and, and you're thinking too much about what other people think. And so what I teach about that is that when you go to a show, set for yourself some intentions. Who do you want to be at that show? Who does your horse need you to be? And what is the purpose of that show? Are you trying to qualify for something? Are you just trying to get your horse out and give it experience? Um, is it, are you really at that thing? Is it the finals and you, you know, you really want to lay down that top level test, but set that intention before you go and then live in that person with those values throughout the weekend. And some people might not enjoy that, but that's not your problem. There, you know, everybody's going to go to the show. If you really think about that, 
everybody's at the show for a different reason. Some people, it's their first show. And so they are going to be living that experience. Some people uh, have had a bad experience and they're going to be there just trying to negotiate being at the show and staying relaxed. Their bar night might not be that high. Are, do yeah. we need to judge them for that? Of course not. Let them have their things and ha- ha- let them have their own values and live in, in that for the weekend. And the other thing that I really think is important is don't take on that attitude of faking it until you make it. I just don't like that. Yeah. When you're faking it till you make it, you're pretending to be someone you're not. That's always going to feel bad. And for sure, your horse is going to know all about it. Yep. Our horses are our mirrors. So yep. I think that's another reason why that setting that intention is so important. Because then you can connect with your horse. You can give yourself that space. Your horse is your partner. You can't manipulate it around the ring. And, and think that things are going to work out. So for me, um, I develop that relationship before I get there. I try to set my intention and then hold on to it and remind myself about it when I'm there. And then there are certain things that we have to remember when we get to shows. We have to stay hydrated. We have to eat right. We have to learn how to breathe before we get there, Right visualization for your test is, you know, really, really good. Um, If you know the venue that you're going to, you can visualize that test at the venue prior to getting there. And then you're, you feel a little breathe through those tense moments and find your body, you know, doing it before you get there. That can really help too. Well, Nancy, this has been a, a great conversation. You are so full of great tidbits and knowledge and i i i wanted to tell our listeners that um having been to nancy's barn um i can say and i don't say this about a lot of of people but you are a true horsewoman and it's it's a a real honor to work with a real horsewoman and we need to make more horsewomen i Um, hope so let's keep teaching Yes, exactly. If if you're interested in talking to Nancy, getting some life coaching, working with her, get having her for clinics, it's nancylaterdressagehorses.com and it's in our show notes. So you can contact her through her website. And again, Nancy, thank you so much and thank you for your support of Biostar. <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. 
Whole Food Nutrition, the way nature intended. We're now at uh, the critter of the show, which is the flying squirrel. And I know Jennifer's going to ask what inspired me. And I'm going to beat her to the punch <laughs> and tell her, of course, Rocky the flying squirrel. Yes. From mm. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes. Uh, I, 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 last on la- the last show, if you didn't listen, we were talking about mm-hmm. our favorite TV or movie dog, and I came up with Rocky the Flying Squirrel and was soundly admonished for Chastised. it. So, there we go. <laughs> Just a little background. So, tell us about the Flying Squirrel. Do they really fly? Yes. Well, they glide. They're gliders. They are part of a tribe of 50 species of flying squirrels. Mm. (laughs) They're not capable of full flight like a bird or a bat, but they, they have, they, they glide from one tree to another because they have a, a parachute like skin membrane that stretches from their wrists to their ankles. And they're, they're able to steer and exert control over their glide paths with their limbs and their tails. Now I found this really interesting. Flying squirrels originated some 18 to 20 million years ago. Wow. Who knew? Yeah. Um, They are nocturnal and um, are omnivores. Really? They eat, yeah, they eat fruit, seeds, buds, flowers, insects, gastropods, spiders, fungi, bird's eggs, tree sap, and young birds. Huh. Um, yeah. The well, young are born in a nest, and they're naked and helpless, and their mother cares for them, but by five weeks old, they start practicing gliding skills, and at 10 weeks, they leave the nest. That early, huh? Yeah, they, they they don't they don't stay long. Um, they are found in North America, Central America, Asia. There is a range of the Siberian flying squirrel, which is in Northeast Europe, Russia, Finland, and Estonia, which I thought pretty fascinating. Um. And their life expectancy in the wild is pretty short. It's six years. But they can live up to 15 years in zoos. Mm. Um, The mortality rate in young flying squirrels is high because of predators. And the predators are tree snakes, raccoons, owls, martens, fishers, coyotes, bobcats, and feral cats. In the Pacific Northwest of North America, the northern spotted owl is a common predator of flying squirrels. And flying squirrels are nocturnal. um, So because they're not very good at, at, uh, you know, staying safe in flight uh, during the day. Um, And their reproduction is February and March. And the female lives with the babies in a maternal nest site in trees. The males do not participate in nurturing their offspring. Gee, who's surprised? <laughs> um, so at 
10 weeks, their gliding skills are perfected and they're capable of independent survival. Um, gliding is a fast form of locomotion and by reducing travel time between patches, they can increase their amount of foraging time. So they evidently have a highly developed sense of smell. So the fact that they can, you know, glide and they are not on the ground like a ground squirrel having to run or jump or, you know, to get to the next food batch, they just glide. I'm gliding here. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the flying squirrel. Dun, da, da. Everything you needed to know and more. A- exactly. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and the topic is neuromuscular support. I hear a lot from riders, veterinarians, and sports therapists about horses dealing with neuromuscular disorders, with nervous system imbalances, muscle tremors, or unsteady balance. Some of these horses are also unfocused or uninspired to work. The brain is like a computer that controls the body's functions. The nervous system is the processing center. It requires communication between the brain and the nervous system, which sends messages to the muscles through a network of nerve fibers. When these communication pathways stop working correctly, we see the development of muscular disorders. There are various types of neuromuscular disorders in horses. One is equine motor neuron disease caused by long-term vitamin E deficiency. Another is equine degenerative myeloencephalopathy, also vitamin E related, but with a genetic component as well. Other orders, disorders include polysaccharide storage myopathy, PSSM type 1, seen in draft horses and quarter horses. It's caused by a genetic mutation that leads to sore muscles and tying up episodes. Fortunately, these horses can be managed with a low NSC diet and exercise. Polysaccharide Saccharide storage myopathy type 2, PSSM type 2, presents with the same clinical signs as PSSM type 1, but the type 2 horses don't carry the genetic mutation. These horses also are managed with a low NSC diet and healthy fats and exercise. Then there is EPM, Lyme disease, and relapse. There appears to be a rise in horses diagnosed with equine protozoal myelencephalitis, known as EPM, or Lyme disease, along with an increasing rate of relapse for these conditions. Neuromuscular issues often occur in horses diagnosed with EPM or Lyme disease, but it can also happen without those diagnoses. An estimated 50% of horses in the U.S. have been exposed to the protozoan that causes EPM. It can stay dormant in the body for years. Researchers suspect that horses with weakened immune systems 
are at greater risk for clinical signs of active EPM. A decade ago, it was estimated that 1% of horses with EPM would eventually relapse. Now the estimate is 10%. Personally, I think the relapse rate, particularly in competition horses, is even higher. Lyme disease, which used to be concentrated in the eastern U.S. and Great Lakes region, has now been confirmed in 43 states. This condition can become chronic in many horses, requiring ongoing maintenance. Also, horses can be reinfected because having Lyme disease once does not convey immunity to the bacterial strain that caused it. One of the major contributors to EPM relapse and chronic Lyme is stress. Stress affects the immune system and its function. A study on short-term transport stress of horses showed that short-term transport significantly affects numerous aspects of equine immune function, thereby contributing to the onset of bacterial or viral infections. The study showed that the stress response in the horses in this study became activated 15 minutes before the horses traveled. Both body temperature and cortisol levels were elevated. So trailering, competing, and training can all cause stress in horses. Other potential stressors include isolation, a new barn environment, lack of harmony with a neighboring horse or horses, stress present in caretakers, separation from an equine friend, change in routine, weather changes, and pain. The stress on the body from metabolic conditions, including IR and Cushing's, can also lead to immune system suppression over time. Horses in individual stalls, referred to as single housing, may experience greater stress than living in a group. One study found individual stabling is an intense stressor, leading to acute and lasting alterations in blood counts of various leukocyte types, end quote. The brain and muscle connection acetylcholine. The brain plays a critical role in the immune system health and neuromuscular disorders along with the stress response. Acetylcholine is the biochemical compound that drives neurons of the central and peripheral nervous systems, acting as a chemical messenger to propagate nerve impulses between the brain, spinal cord, and muscles. Acetylcholine is an important neurotransmitter and neuromodulator. It plays a role in functions such as memory and learning, as well as muscle movement and contractions. Acetylcholine is also the chief neurotransmitter of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. These systems contract smooth muscles, dilate blood vessels, and support regeneration, digestion, and rest. <clears throat> Long-term stress, as well as oxidative stress, can deplete acetylcholine levels by increasing the activity of acetylcholinerase, an enzyme which reduces acetylcholine availability. Certain antibiotics and diuretics can affect acetylcholine. So can a magnesium overload or deficiency. 
Too much magnesium impairs the release of acetylcholine by inhibiting calcium, while too little magnesium can cause a decrease in brain acetylcholine content. The precursor to acetyl, acetylcholine is a vitamin-like substance called choline. It is the precursor to acetylcholine and therefore helps boost acetylcholine-dependent functions. Foods that provide choline include eggs, sunflower seeds, soybeans, and some whole grains. Choline is also commonly found in supplements and feed in the form of choline bitartrate or choline chloride. Lipids, fats, steroids, phospholipids, are potent modulators of acetylcholine receptors. Okay, so this is another important role of of good fats. The most bioavailable form of choline comes from lecithin, found in egg yolks, sunflower seed oil, soybeans, and some whole grains, because it contains phosphatidylcholine. Phosphatidylcholines are phospholipids that play a large role in the health of biological membranes and assist acetylcholine receptors. So the question that you may be asking yourself is, well, so what? (laughs) Um, Supporting choline, in other words, providing more choline or phosphatidylcholine to the body, will support acetylcholine. Thereby, you you are really supporting the the neuro... um, connection, the computer, to the neuromuscular system. And it's important that the form of choline is phosphatidyl because, as the article highlights, lipids are key to the membranes. Um, Biostar has just introduced a new paste called Neuroplex, which combines very specific ingredients to address acetylcholine, the gut, stress, which are the three drivers or the three connectors um, when you're dealing with a neuromuscular, I'll say dysfunction, not disease. So bovine colostrum for the immune system, uh, sunflower lecithin for uh, phosphatidylcholine, the adaptogens Harataki, Brahmi, Siberian ginseng, and Amalaki, Shilajit from the Himalayas to support cellular mitochondria for cellular energy, because of course, without cellular energy, the muscles won't be able to move, even if the brain tells them to move, and nerve protection from lion's mane mushroom and gut support um, from some live probiotics to help balance the gut microbiota and keep the pathogenic bacteria at bay. It's a paste. It's easy to give. The most important thing about it is that if and when your horse starts showing very tight muscles, maybe a little bit of neurological signs. They've already been tested for EPM. Maybe they've already been treated for it. Maybe they've already been treated with limes. 
or maybe they're just showing a low grade, I'll call it dysfunction um, between the brain and the neuromuscular system, then you now have a, um, a supplement that will help support the computer and processor of the brain neuromuscular system. First pet t- Tigger, let me say how proud I am of you for using a computer reference. <laughs> Anybody who knows Tigger knows that that is, that represents enormous personal growth. <laughs> enormous. Well, we, we did a lot today. So I think this time around, we're all going to pass on Healthy Critters Radio Coffee Clutch and just go have a little decaf ourselves. How's that? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll, we will meet up again to chat more about all things healthy and all things critter in another fortnight's time. Yeah.